Hey, welcome to the Icarus Idea. Just before we get started, we're really curious what you've learned from the episode, so feel free to leave a comment or a question or a DM or whatever. Um, but for now, let's just get going with the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Icarus Idea. Today we are talking to a former TU Delft industrial design student. Um, but I'm not going to do the introduction because that's Bram's job. Uh, Bram, please, please do your thing. Yes, thanks for having me back. I'm still sitting at home, uh, still doing these Skype recordings instead of meeting, uh, in, uh, meeting in real life. And when I look at Skype, I see two guys, yours and our guest, and we're all having headphones. And first, yours. I know you have brand new headphones. Yeah, boy. Uh, do you like them so far? Uh, yeah, I do. Like the yeah. sound quality is really crappy, but the recording of the microphone, I hope that you you notice, is uh, pleasant to say the least. Well, mine's don't really have a microphone, but I like the sound of it. But I think after today's episode, we all want to switch to new ones. Oh uh, boy! And those are subscription based, uh, designed by our guest of today, Daros Galema. Uh, from Gerard Street. How are you doing, Doris? I'm very well. Thanks. Great. Nice. So before we get into uh, what Gerard Street is and how uh, you get there and how it all works, uh, I want to ask a question regarding audio because I'm sort of an audiophile myself. For people who don't know, that I'm really picky when it comes to like speakers and headphones. Uh, so I want to know what is your song that you always pick to test the quality of your speakers or your headphones? I don't have a particular one. I use, so I, I tuned this model myself. I used a lot of different tunes, but the one I use most is Why Not from Michel Camilo. All right. Do you know it? It's um, Never heard of it. He's a Latin jazz uh, piano player and he uses a lot of horns uh, and it's brilliant for, for tuning the, uh, the upper mids and the, uh, and the highs of the headphone. Cool. Mm. Nice. Well, we'll put them in the show notes then to uh, yeah. all listeners. <laughs> we'll give them a show <laughs> Yeah. So are you a bit of an audiophile yourself as well, or? No, I wouldn't say an audiophile. I'm. Um, I, I am a genuine music lover. So I, I really love music. Um, I I do like good sound a lot. Mm -hmm. I really value it. But I'm not an audiophile. I'm not. Right. I'm not someone who buys golden cables uh, that are no. five thousand euros <laughs> per meter or, or, or that kind of stuff. There, there's a sort of limit to how far it goes. Yeah. So I don't know. It's sort of an advanced music lover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> advanced music lover. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess then at the place you're working is the perfect place for you then, because you work at Gerard Street. Uh, yeah. For the people that don't know what it is already, can you give a short explanation what you're doing or what your company is doing? Yeah, sure. Um, a couple of years ago, I founded Gerard Street since we wanted to develop circular consumer electronics. Uh, and so we do this with headphones. Uh, we offer premium headphones. They are fully modular. And you can't buy them, but you pay per month. And you get a full service with it as well. So if any part fails, we'll just send you a new one. But we also retrieve the old modules uh, and we don't use any glue. So we can easily reuse a lot of the components inside. Nice. Cool. I really like the, the how do you call it, circular idea that everything is 
recycled again. Was that, you know, was of course, I guess your initial idea as well. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's the starting point. Yeah. Was headphones and also a starting point or did you first had other products, which you also took into consideration? That's a good question. Now, it wasn't necessarily. So we, we started out, um, we wanted to make circular consumer electronics. And the reason for this was, A, I, I thought the circular economy was fascinating. Yeah. Um, because you combine a business model with sustainability. And, and I haven't seen that before. So I was particularly interested in, in, in this and especially in, in consumer electronics because I figured... Uh, there's a lot of gains in there. You know, a lot of, uh, of consumer products are now thrown away because only one component fails. And all the others are perfectly fine. And these are also very valuable and scarce materials that are now just thrown away and, and even burned. So we figured there's this, this is the area with the highest potential and maybe even the, the, the quick fixes. Well, we started with this mission. Um, we quickly realized it, it, it's a lot better if you just pick a product because then you have yeah. something to talk about because yeah. it, it, this mission is, is too big and vague and uh, a lot of people ask you we are trying to raise money or trying to even to sell, uh, sell it uh, to, to universities. No, so that's why when we decided, okay, let's just pick headphones because yeah. we, we are music lovers. But second of all, we saw that headphones were uh, on the rise. So uh, there was a lot of growth in the market. Uh, and we figured it's a it's, um, fairly simple piece of electronics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like a, like a smartphone, you know, what, what Fairphone was doing at the time. And we figured that's, that's way too complicated for just two guys who just graduated. <laughs> so that's why we chose the headphone. But... Also, we started. So we started validating this this idea. Is is there a, is there market demand for this? Can we actually make this work? Uh, and and we did this, keeping in mind that we that that we might pivot to another. Uh, so actually, that was our assumption at the time. We said we start with it with with headphones, but probably we'll end up making some other yeah. uh, sort of electronic circular. Um, you just said that you, you tuned the headphones yourself. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and that kind of triggered me um, because when, when we called you to ask if you wanted to be uh, a guest for the, for the, for the podcast, um, I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to call uh, Doris. He's an industrial design engineer. He works uh, at his own headphone company, so he probably designs those, those headphones and then you were like no no I, I don't design anything I, I don't have anything to do with that and <laughs> <laughs> so I was just wondering um, you don't do the designing um, let's just say, first of all why not why don't you do the designing yourself so when we started with our very first headphones model this this was sort of a an, you call it an MVP a minimal viable product so mm -hmm. That's a, a startup term for basically a pilot product, uh, but meaning that you clearly recognize that it's not fully finished. Uh, this product we developed completely ourselves. So we did design that one. Um, we also sourced the parts. It, it was a very interesting mix of designing, but also just working with what we could get. 
So I started with looking on uh, on uh, Alibaba and talking to headphone manufacturers and just saying, what parts could I could I get from you uh, off the shelf? I, I just want to make a thousand headphones. You know, I, I will never reach the uh, volumes and quantities that you need to start producing a headphone yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's how we started. We just started with picking a lot of stuff off the shelves and 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 sort of fitting a uh, um, a sound module. Later on the process, it got more and more customized. So in the end, it was pretty much a fully customized headphone. We we did design this one uh, completely ourselves, uh, and that's also where we stopped. So in the, for the next model, we noticed. The, the, the first model, it's called the Bird. I think that's the best that Tom and I can do. We, we are not really good designers. Uh, so we asked friends of ours uh, who have a design studio in Rotterdam called uh, Banana Gun. And, and these are really very good designers. So we asked them to come up with the next model. And they produced three concepts for us. Only only the exterior. And it was it was so much better it's actually it's it's sort of this model i mean it, it's developed a bit over time uh, they came up with yellow lines and with this this sort of turtle shape and from there on we started developing the the model ourselves again or engineering it uh, but mostly the interior so seeing how can we how can we make this model modular again uh, and then there was a lot of design efforts uh, put in by the by the factory as well so, and these are more of the, the, the typical engineering work and the audio engineering and also developing the, the PCBs, uh, etc., yeah. sourcing batteries. All that stuff is, uh, is not done by us. So if, if I look at, at this model, if I'm fairly honest, there's hardly any design work <laughs> I did, except indeed for the, for the tuning of the, of the sound. So calibrating the last, uh, the last sounds. That is okay, maybe um, uh, I'm not that into sound, but you two are. What does the tuning of of uh, a headphone mean? It's uh, it, it's sort of equalizing actually. So the headphone produces uh, there's a lot of acoustics in there mm-hmm. that that uh, make up for the sound profile, so to say. But then since these are active, so uh, they have a Bluetooth chip in it, and you can run software on it. You can also fine-tune this a bit, so you can polish the sound, basically, uh-huh. and, and, and even enhance some, uh, uh, some areas of the, of the audio spectrum as well. Check. You can sort of uh, choose how much bass, how much treble, etc. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's basically the same as an equalizer. Yeah. Are the, the users also uh, able to change the equalizing settings? Or Not yet, but in um, we have the latest Qualcomm chipset in, in this model, in the Prince, uh, and we are able to update that one. Ah, cool. Is that yeah. like something that a, a user could sort of get because it's subscription-based? You just yeah, you get yeah. the update? Uh, that, that's exactly what we, what we want to do. So we notice these upgrades are, of course, a huge part in, uh, of the subscription model, but it's also it's very complicated to have updates in hardware. Because you can imagine if there's a new headphone that comes out, we have to ship you a new one, we get the old one back, we have to see what can we reuse uh, and, w- and what's not to reuse. And it's so much easier if you can update the headphones uh, based on software. But in the past, that, that wasn't uh, feasible, at least not for us. And with this model, for the first time, uh, we should be able to. 
there are of course still some some barriers to overcome so we will probably need to uh, uh, develop uh, an app or something that can override uh, settings etc so we're, we're not there yet but at least this headphone has this potential i was wondering if if that was is is this what you expected you would do when you started industrial design engineering let's say nine years ago no definitely not um i think when i started so i started industrial design engineering following my brother who's a half brother not sure if that's the correct word but so he's a, he's a lot he's 15 years older so he had already finished uh, he, uh industrial design engineering and he's he back then he was a product designer so he he uh, mainly designed furniture had his own company and and that was sort of my role model when i started doing industrial design so i was i was pretty much focused at product design and also this was what i pictured for myself uh, how, how i saw the future that i would be designing products and that changed <laughs> at some point so I think in my third year, I did a, a minor called Writing a Business Plan at Yes Delft, which is the incubator uh, of the Delft uh, University of Technology. And that's where we learned how to start up a business. And I enrolled in this course basically because some friends of mine enrolled. And I thought, yeah, it, if I want to be a product designer, uh, it might be wise to also understand a bit about the business. But I had no intention of starting my own business. You know, what my friends had, and I just followed them because I figured, yeah, it's, it's, it, this looks like a smart course. And, but during this course, all these entrepreneurs were invited and, and that was the cool part of the course. So it, it wasn't about the, the theory that we learned. It was at every course. It, I think it was uh, one day a week. Uh, at the end, they invited an entrepreneur who would talk about his startup and his business and his failures and who would just speak uh, with so much passion about our projects and that's how I uh, how I turned around and and from then on I also I figured this is what I want to do I want to become an entrepreneur yeah that's really cool and now you have this own your own product actually on the market how does yeah. do you sometimes see people with your headphones yeah, uh, running yeah. around? Yeah, especially uh, in uh, in public transportation, I see them a lot, or a, a lot is, is <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I do I do see them. Yeah, have you, ever really had the cool. feel, have you ever had the feeling to come up to them and say the thing that you're wearing that's uh, <laughs> is mine? Uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, uh, especially in the beginning, but because yeah. it's, it's, it's very valuable to meet your customers and to, to talk to them. I also mm. had it the other way around when, uh, when the boss was coming out and I already had the uh, product samples that I was testing out. Yeah. Uh, I was approached by customers who saw me in a train who recognized the boss. Uh, and, and who started talking to me, they, so they, they immediately understood I must be the founder or someone that, uh, there must be something, yeah. some reason why I have the boss and they, uh, they haven't yet. <laughs> oh, that's pretty crazy. Um, I believe you did some um, crowdfunding? And I'm not sure yeah. if that went always as successful as you wanted it to be. Like, um, maybe maybe tell us about that, or 
do you feel like you made any other failures that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, the, the crowdfunding, the first one was definitely a success. And the second one was also a success, but it wasn't as big as we hoped. But with the first one, we, we even were nominated or we, we won a, a prize, I think, for top three best crowdfunding campaigns of that year. Um, because we had a, a lot of traction uh, so uh, and a lot of reach, especially. Uh, we were picked up in, in virtually any newspaper. Uh, we were on TV. And we mm. subscribed almost 400 uh, users, which was... I think that's the reason why we why we were nominated for this. That was the, uh, the I think one of the highest scores of that year for mm. for a Dutch crowdfunding campaign, so not for an international one. Mm. It's really cool to do a crowdfunding. It's also it's it's a lot of work. I think it's usually underestimated. So um, I'm I'm being called for advice once in a while by other entrepreneurs who want to launch a crowdfunding campaign and. I remember myself as well thinking in the beginning that it's just you make a cool video, uh, you upload a story and, and that's it and you, yeah. then you sit back and wait. Oh, uh, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's, it's real, that's really not the case. It's, it's, it's a campaign. So you are campaigning and that's, that means you're doing a lot of pre-work. So a rule of thumb is that you should have between 35 and 50% of the backers that you want to have uh, you should have them in the pre-order campaign already before launching the crowdfunding campaign. Hmm. Actually, most of them make sure that they already have 100% before starting the campaign. The same goes for if you want to use ambassadors, if you want to uh, use PRs, uh, you know, the entire campaign has to be pulled out before launching the campaign. And then once you're in it, it's just on social media, answering questions, um, uh, chasing down the press. You know, we, I remember the second one, with, I was together with Tom and we had, I don't know, 180 journalists to call. Uh, so we just divided the list and started calling uh, and we, we spent days just because, of course, you, uh, a lot don't have the time or they don't pick up immediately. So we, we really spent days only calling people and uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. But what about like a real, did you have any other like real failures where you think, whoa, I wish I'd done yeah, that yeah. differently? Yeah, we have a lot, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking... Uh, What's the biggest f up that we? So one sort of a crisis <laughs> was where we we worked together with a financial expert. He, he was our accountant or our bookkeeper. Um, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds and like it's going pretty, the wrong way. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. He, he was pretty expensive as well. So because we we thought let's let's not let's do this right. So he was one of the more expensive guys. He was recommended by someone from the Accelerator. So we thought he was legit. And we had a, a, a coach back then as well that we uh, were in regular contact with. And at some point she was pressing us, like, is your annual report already deposited at the, uh, at the Chamber of Commerce? And we, we thought it was. But at some point we figured out it wasn't. So we started calling this guy and we asked him why, uh, what's, what's the matter? And he said, no, it's, uh, there's no worries. You can just uh, ask for a, um, 
uh, for a delay or uh, you can ask to postpone it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we said, okay, that is fine. But when we talked to our coach again, she said, no, that's not true. There's a, there's a limit. You can only postpone it oh, so much, no. only 12 months and you have passed the limit now. Uh, <laughs> and there's, she, she said, this is really, this is your, you guys are basically, f- this is not right. If someone lies to you about this and doesn't do his work, there's, uh, that's not the end of it. There's more going on. Uh, and so we, we, we figured, we found out that he hadn't done any administration oh, whatsoever. No. <laughs> uh, and I won't go into details, but, uh, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's solid to say that we were f- <laughs> uh, the even worse was that I recommended him to a friend of mine as well. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he started working for this friend as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it, this, this was a, a clear f- up. Um, that's that's I think that was one of the of the biggest f- ups. And then I'm thinking we had a, we have a lot of small f- ups, you know. Um, maybe maybe not say f- ups anymore because we have to we have to edit f- ups every time we say it out of the. Really? Yeah, I don't you, think we you can say. Oh, you do a peep. Yeah, we do or S- a L- screw up. We do screw up. Yeah. We're messed up, lads. We messed up. Yeah. We we. The thing that I thought, Doris, I heard you say in an interview with, it was a funny name, it was, yeah, I have it here, Rotterdamse Jongensdromen. Yeah, yeah. I heard you say that uh, part of what you're trying to do is show that the concept of subscription-based service works. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm kind of interested, like, how, how do you make this work? When when starting up, there are a lot of assumptions in this business model, uh, and that made it difficult to predict. But we do know that margins are rather high on electronics, especially on on headphones. So we we figured out we we had a, a business model that was full of assumptions, but we knew that there was probably enough margin. And of course, you are validating this on the go. So now I can pretty stably predict the amount of returns that I get, the amount of repairs. And the cool thing is, if we get a return, I can reuse it. So it's it's an asset that, that I can uh, deploy again, usually. So for us, actually, the, the, the biggest problem is the acquisition costs. So acquiring a customer now, I, I have to spend uh, money on advertising. And, and that's money, of course, that I can't retrieve again. And so we also, we, if, if you become my customer, if, if I would sell the headphone to you, then let's say I would spend 50 euros on Facebook ads, you become my customer, you buy the headphone for 250 euros uh, and I make a margin on it. And I, the day you buy the headphones, I have my margin on my bank account and I can use it to grow again. That's and and that's the uh, the key challenge and and the difficulty of having a subscription model. You can't fund your own growth. That's an enormous challenge for us to overcome. Yeah, I can imagine. Like the first month, your customer pays seven fifty. 
So yeah. you, you need like a lot of months before you, you even break even, let, let alone yeah, true. be able but to pay 50 but, euros. But still, so we know that our customers stay for a very long time. On average, they stay over three years. And so, so we know that, uh, that our, our products are profitable. Hmm. And actually, so it's, it has all to do with pre-financing. Yeah. Hmm. And that's why it's so important, especially I think if you're doing a subscription model, it's even more important that you really understand the key drivers of your business model and you do understand uh, financial models. Yeah. Because it's, it's just too risky. You, you can't just go with it on the fly. You need that starting up money, so to say. Yeah, definitely. And you also have to, I mean, you, you need to know which metrics to check and, and you need to know when you are in trouble and, and when not. Bram, final question. We have five yeah, minutes left. The final one. Uh, earlier on, we talked a bit about it. Uh, well, you have now, I guess, a large group of people that are using your headphones and they're really mm -hmm. positive about it. If I look into the reviews. Um, but how do you maintain your brand and find new people uh, willing to get a subscription? Do you only use like ads or do you also try other ways? Uh, yeah, we try, we try a lot of different things. And this is, I, th I think this is at the moment our, our main challenge as well. Uh, building a brand is, is not easy. We were warned about this also. It's, uh, it's pretty challenging to develop your own product Mm -hmm. Start developing your own brand as well, selling it directly by yourself, uh, and then also having this, this business model that that makes everything <laughs> even more difficult. Um, and but and building a brand definitely is. I mean, the way it's usually done is just spend an awful lot of money, yeah. which we don't have. Uh, <laughs> so we do it. In the beginning, we had a lot of free publicity. We use online marketing, especially Facebook marketing a lot. Uh, and we are working together with ambassadors. And I think oh, yeah. the, the last one is, it's the coolest for building a brand. So we are launching a collaboration with Styx, you know, for the form uh, opgeswollen. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. He will get his own signature uh, headphone that yeah. can also be ordered by, uh, by our clients. So they, they can have the uh, Stigmatic headphone. So that's really cool. Okay. And so we are talking to, uh, with, with, to other parties as well yeah. to do these kind of collaborations. And I must say also when we started this, uh, there was of course a lot of rumor about circular economy, but it, it, it wasn't so much mainstream. No. I, I think the word circular economy uh, has never been mainstream, it still isn't, but also this, this, uh, this general mindset of not throwing everything uh, in the garbage. I mean, sure, people were thinking about it, but I do have a feeling that, that it's this, this trend is really pursuing and that it's, it's easier for us now to find ambassadors also. It almost seems like everyone who is our generation or younger um, is thinking about this and and is also willing to participate and to uh, to promote this yeah hmm. that's, kind that's, of nice, that's really helpful yeah, yeah. i saw yeah. Uh, recently i was checking my instagram and i saw i think a radio dj on his story also posting things that he received your headphones so it's also yeah we cool are, yeah we're also working with sublime oh yeah uh, and um What's his name? Sander Hogendoorn. Yeah. You mean him? Yeah, from, yeah, uh, from 3FM. 
Ja, ja, ja. He also has a headphone now. Cool. Damn. Yeah, he really yeah. liked it as well. So that's cool. Oh, that's nice. pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap it up with that, maybe. Because we, on one minute, talked the full one and a half hours. So uh, Nice. Again, <laughs> our condolences to uh, Jens, the editor. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to listen to ourselves as well. Yeah. To get it, true. <laughs> Um, Doris, thank you very much. Thank you yeah. very much for the advice. You're welcome. Um, is there anything you want to shout out? Say, uh, we, we got 30 seconds left, so do you think? Yeah, anything you want to shout out right now? Um, you, you mean to the audience or do you mean to promote our own uh, headphones? No, no, I just <laughs> want to say. Do I have something to say to designers? I, I think my main advice uh, to these designers is to uh challenge yourself once in a while and, and and think when designing a product think how much how much money do i have on the bank would i invest this all in trying to sell this product because i do think thinking about your product in this way really makes it makes makes your design better what answers would i need before i feel comfortable enough to spend all my savings on this product what is it that I would want to see answered before that. Those are the questions that, that really matter, I think, when, if you want to have a killer product, that's what you need. All right. Well, on well, that, so to speak, bombshell, uh, let's yeah. uh, end it. Um, once again, thank you, uh, you, yeah. the, the listener. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any thoughts, any ideas, uh, any products that you want to sell, uh, leave them in the comments and uh, tell us if you want to spend all your money on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, check out Giraud Street as well. Ooh, yeah, maybe see uh, if you can get yourself some headphones. Yeah. Check out the new headphones. Yeah. Check yeah. Out the new- the song again i forgot Ooh, it's the sex why not song. from michelle camillo yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right get yourself some gerard street headphones and listen to why not by who camillo michelle michelle camillo, camillo. it's a uh, right. c-a-m-i-l-o or maybe no it's one l yeah, okay. That's yeah. Well. and folk by madonna is the one that i always heard so. <laughs> that's also that's a, another that's story. A very good record. <laughs> <laughs>